0: with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me, taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details.
1: Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Sunday, November 28, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports i own college basketball podcast where we sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds and leaky black Matt norlander is here with me he's at home i'm at home lighting is amazing we're live on youtube right now norlander a podcast where we sometimes just
0: yes we're live we are we are we are so live i had the youtube stream up so i just got you echoing in my ears i'm also rocking a new webcam so this is a whole new situation here but yes We are live. Shouts to everyone that's actually watching the first ever college basketball video podcast live. This has never been done before. No other college basketball podcast has ever been live on video until this one right here. So thank you for joining us. You can obviously chat in that side room there and uh, feel free. Uh, I'm not going to be able to see what you're texting and tweeting and chatting about, but Kanata, our producer, is, and I'm going to make Kanata say hello at some point on this podcast. He has a microphone ready, but uh, it's great to be here for you. If, by the way, you're listening, listen to the OGs that still want to go podcast, audio only, not video, I hear you, I feel you, I respect you, but the benefit to all of this is that... If we do talk about something and you're interested in watching it later, or if I say something idiotic, which will happen, and you want to see how Parrish reacts to it, uh, you can obviously do that. Kanata will link to the episode in the podcast description, no matter where you're listening to this. And also, if you are listening to the podcast, but you're like, I didn't, I forgot, I didn't know they were going to be live. I know a lot of you, some, some of you aren't on Twitter. Just a reminder you'll go to the YouTube page, Ion College Basketball, search for it, subscribe, click the bell. The alerts work. They do work. <laughs> you take the bell, it, it will work. Parish can't get it figured out, but I don't know what to tell you there. If you want to watch this and you're not on Twitter and need to be alerted, just make sure you subscribe there. Our goal will be Wednesdays and Friday mornings, I believe, at around 10 a.m., and then Sunday nights will be dependent upon when the final game of relevance is kind of done, although as I, as I say that – Alabama might lose to Miami as we're recording this podcast, so we'll have to wait and see on that, but it was supposed to be a soft, quiet evening. Uh, We'll try and keep you as informed on when the show will be live, so if you want to watch in real time, we obviously want to have you there to experience that with us, but that's our general template for the season, you know, emergency episodes aside. Sunday nights, Wednesday and Friday mornings around 10 a.m. Eastern will be the rhythm provided our travel and other things don't get in the way.
1: Yeah, and so if you haven't subscribed yet, please go subscribe. I can't, I can't vouch for the alerts, all right? I, I have notes that I get from uh, 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 bosses that tell me the alerts work. I'm just telling you I never got one. The only alert I get uh, every day is for some reason my wife has an alarm on her iPhone that goes off at 5 a.m., even though she's never gotten up at 5 a.m. <laughs> it it wake, wakes us up at 5 a.m. every morning. It, no, no explanation for it. Nobody's getting out of bed till 6 but the thing goes off every morning at five. So if I could trade that alert for an actual YouTube alert, it, 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 it'd be a trade done uh, immediately. So please go subscribe, get your alerts. And also don't forget to subscribe over on Apple podcast uh, as well. And while you're there, if you got a second, uh, leave a nice review, uh, five stars. You guys have been great about that, but um, we did get, I saw, uh, we did get a recent one-star review, dead a recent one-star review. And do you know why? Um,
0: I don't know why I didn't read it, but I'm going to I'm going to guess that the podcast wasn't live on video yet.
1: Nope. It had Nothing to do with that. Uh, the gentleman, uh, the one star reviewer, he uh, he was upset with us because he thought that we were promoting premarital sex. And um, I just like the uh, state for the record. We have never promoted premarital sex. We just appreciate and enjoy We like love no, no. premarital sex.
0: I, I will. I'm going to promote it.
1: You do promote it?
0: I promote yeah.
1: Okay. You can also, promote it. As someone with actual experience
0: in this, yes, I'm going to promote it, yeah.
1: I have experience in premarital sex as
0: Safe, well. Consensual premarital sex. To anyone that had the over-under on seven and a half minutes before we mentioned premarital sex on a live podcast, uh, whoever had the under, congrats.
1: Yeah, Norlander can promote if he wants to. I never wanted to promote it. Like, if you don't want to have premarital sex, you shouldn't, I guess. Make, totally missing out, but your your decision. It's fine. Um, I just appreciate premarital sex and, and have, you know, routinely uh, from time to time uh, pointed that out on the podcast. So do me a favor. if You're out there and you enjoy this podcast and you've ever had premarital sex. Please go leave a five star review at Apple podcast. And if you want to type a few words about how much you appreciate premarital sex, we can sort of we can start to balance balance these things out a little bit, you know just balance them out a little I bit. I see we, the
0: thing is I feel like that listener I didn't read the review yet. Uh, but I feel like the listener might have been leaning into a bit. Like do we actually think there's someone out there that was like i just I'm fed up with this. Oh dude, I've listened to this podcast for 6 years and never left a review. But these
1: gentlemen Oh, oh that's exactly what it was. And oh. as somebody who has uh, talked publicly uh, about whatever I want to talk about. Uh, five days a week for more than a decade now just let me tell you there is always somebody bothered by something always doesn't matter. i called lebron james our king and savior and people got mad about that (laughs) people are wild man people are wild let's get the basketball let's do it i guess and i guess we should start uh with the biggest result of the weekend that is obviously duke upset gonzaga 84 81 it was late friday out in las vegas Floyd Mayweather was courtside. Brooks Kepka was courtside. Fabulous crowd. Fabulous game. Um, Dad, like, as you pointed out on Twitter, it was Gonzaga's first regular season loss in 644 days. So uh, I guess we'll get going by me allowing you to share uh, your general thoughts uh, on Duke's yeah surprising victory over Gonzaga Friday night.
0: You don't want me to allow you to share your general thoughts first. You want me
1: Nobody, to go first? No, I have to allow you. Nobody has to allow me. I'm in, I'm in charge, but I but I will allow you. Okay. So uh,
0: first of all, how much do we love a college basketball game of this magnitude getting finished well after 12:30 Eastern on a Friday night of a Thanksgiving weekend? Just wonderful for the sport, right? Gosh, if only this could have been played at a better time because I know a lot of people listening watch, but plenty of others, like millions of others that may have might have otherwise enjoyed this game. They, there's no, no shot. They were watching it. It was the best game of the weekend. I think it was the best game of the season so far. And I, I came away more impressed with Duke than I thought I could even if you told me they were going to win. Uh, Mark Williams, I thought he had the best night of anyone. Now, Paulo Banquero was on pace to have the best night. Then he had cramps again, which is kind of a weird issue. It showed up twice. It happened in the season opener against... Kentucky. And now again here. And Mark Williams was a beast all over the floor. Wendell Moore jr. Who you didn't want in our top 101 in the preseason. You said he quote sucks. Oh, now does he look here? No, he doesn't suck. He's very, very good. And those two players on top of Bancaro, they, they allowed for Duke to have just enough to get past the Gonzaga team. That was riddled with fouls. And again, lost for the first time in 644 days. So it was an amazing game uh it, we were up way too late watching it it looked like an incredible environment in vegas vegas that the building by the way which you have been to and will be at again in december for the cbs sports classic is hosting the tournament in 2023 the regionals out in the west which i can't wait for that cuz it looks just phenomenal great environment there way better than ucla gonzaga just a few days prior a little weird but i came away more about duke than gonzaga here although i do wonder if like a little little small part of, of mark few thinks you know what let, we don't even have to worry about the undefeated stuff now. You know, we got pushed in a way we didn't get pushed last season. Few told me at the, at the tournament last year that he had wished they'd played the Baylor game specifically because they didn't have a team that that really physically, truly challenged them the way that Baylor likely would have in December. They got that with Duke. We'll see We'll see if uh, Gonzaga ultimately is better for it, Parrish. I don't know. They still got big conference opponents. But yeah, I, the
1: result for me was more about Duke than Gonzaga. I've always thought... You know, Baylor might have not always thought, like I thought Gonzaga was going to win the national championship last season. But after it was over, I did think that if that game would have been played in the regular season between those two teams, the championship game would have been more competitive. Um Baylor might have beat them twice. Baylor was awesome. But I, I think Gonzaga came out and they didn't know what they were involved in. I think Mark has even hinted at that a little bit. Like they didn't know. They were in for what they were in for until they were in it and they were down and they could not recover. I think if you take that beating, if it would have been a beating in the regular season, you are more properly prepared for it in the NCAA tournament. So I I guarantee you, you're right. Mark is now not happy that they lost. But, you know, any good coach in any sport is going to try to take a loss and turn it into a positive. And so you try to find the, the silver linings from this one. And among those are that you don't have to answer the undefeated talk you don't have that that additional pressure all season, but also it's like okay like if we're going to go try to win the first championship in in school history, we now know we've seen it like the type of team, we're going to have to deal with on the way there maybe it's Duke maybe it's somebody else, but that's the type of team, you're going to have to beat at some point in that bracket. And oh, by the way, like it's a big up. It was an upset and it pushes Gonzaga down the rankings, pushes Duke up the rankings. Uh, it, it, it was, it, the game could have gone either direction. Like you, you, play, you, you play that game again tonight and Gonzaga might win it. You play it again tomorrow, Duke might win it. Then the next day, Gonzaga might win it. You know, the Zags did shoot 53.1% from the field. So they didn't play poorly. They just had 17 turnovers. Duke only had eight. Duke ended up taking three more shots and 14 more free throws than Gonzaga. And that's why Duke was able to win the game despite shooting 6.8 percentage points worse from the field. Um, Coming in, I think the game was mostly about are the Zags going to run another preseason top 10 team off the court? And oh, wow, isn't this nice, Paulo Bencaro and Chet Holmgren on the same court. Um, Those guys didn't play each other much in terms of, one trying to stop the other but Apollo probably had the better game 21 points 5 rebounds 2 assists had cramps again like you mentioned that's an issue like what is good like he's young and strong and healthy you shouldn't be dealing with that um they got to figure that out you you can't be in, in high profile games going to the locker room because of cramps and I'm I'm confident they'll figure that out Chet was also good had his moments um wasn't able to to make a shot from the perimeter the way he typically does but still had 16 points 7 rebounds, rebounds and three blocks, but I think the consensus out of that was that Mark Williams had the best game of anybody on the court, eight of nine from the field, 17 points, nine rebounds, five blocks, so Chet Holmgren had been lauded as like this unbelievable rim protector, and he is, but it was Mark Williams who actually had more blocks um, in this high-profile showdown, so I think the game entering was mostly about the stuff that we've already noted. Coming out of it, it's like, oh, wow, Duke really might be the best team in the country oh, wow, Mike Krzyzewski really might be able to end his career with a walk-off national championship. And, you know, we talked about it all offseason. Duke was never going to be number one in the preseason, and Duke was never going to be the favorite to win the title. But they seem to, on paper, have the type of pieces that you need to do it, like legitimate NBA talent and, you know, veterans um, that can serve as, as great complimentary pieces. And I'll cop to it. I was arguing against Wendell Moore Jr., being included on our top 101, I thought that our group chats were supposed to stay mostly private, but I—I I guess not. <laughs> but I was arguing against him, and if I would have been successful, our list would have been um, uh, less good because he's clearly one of the best 101 players
0: in college basketball. He didn't say he sucks. I was saying that for dramatic effect. Because I was fighting for him to be on it. Cause I thought, here's what I thought. I thought it would be Bancaro, clearly the best player on Duke's roster. And then after that, it, were any of these freshmen going to be able to be more productive than Wendell coming back? And I didn't totally buy into it. Now I was I think I might wind up being wrong on that as well. Although to to be fair, he had he had 20 points, 16 came in the second half. He had six rebounds, six assists, and four steals. He was awesome. But he is I think some of this is all connected. Big hair has been awesome. Mark Williams had a revelatory kind of performance there, but the big takeaway, like if you're, if you were expecting to be able to hate on Duke again and thought they might not be what they uh, were two years ago and would be more like last season with Wendell Moore playing the way that he does, that's really what I think locks them into being this good. So I just want to be a, a little bit clear about that. He he's been, He's been unreal and how reliable he's been. His his statistics have been phenomenal. I mean, Ben Carroll's leading the team of scoring. Moore's not that far behind him. Rebound numbers per game, assists per game. They're all very, very good. And so, yeah, it's, it's all kind of coming together for Duke, and that's reflected in the fact that you made the decision after this game happened. Neutral court, 20,389 people, the largest, by the way, ever to see a basketball game in the state of Nevada on Friday night. It was the biggest crowd ever in that state for a basketball game, which is kind of cool. You decided... It's enough for me. I go Duke one, Gonzaga two, and then you drop Purdue down to three instead of bumping Purdue up to number one. I'll be interested to see if that's the case on Monday because as Purdue fans well know, and general public probably doesn't, no team has more appearances all time in the history of the AP Top 25 without getting a number one ranking than Purdue. We wait and see if the voters reflect what GP did by putting Duke number one or if they'll slide up the Boilermakers, which are ahead of the Blue Devils, but by nature of beating Gonzaga, it complicates it just a little bit.
1: Purdue fans are um, not big fans of the top twenty-five and one right now. I've been accused of all sorts of biases. <laughs> there's, apparently, there's this thing somewhere. Gary Parish has always hated Purdue. I'm like, what? The hell? Why am I? Why would I even? Jerry Palm is a Purdue alum. My friend Julie Villanova is a Purdue alum. I love Matt Painter. I love Purdue. Um, I just made the choice to. Uh, to move Duke to number one and you can easily back it up like it's not difficult right they were um, ranked wherever they were ranked um, but they're sitting here last week in November they're undefeated and they've got two wins better than anybody else's two wins like nobody can match their top two wins one of them over the consensus preseason number one team in the country and the other one over a Kentucky team that you know looks like it's going to compete for an SEC title and so You know, when you are wherever you are and you beat number one and you're undefeated and you have two wins better than anybody else's two wins. Plus, you know, you look the part and the computer numbers are are there to support it. For the most part, you can totally reasonably jump that team to one. And if you're going to jump that team to one, you can drop the team that they just barely beat, who was number one down to two, who is still number one in all the computers. And then that leaves Purdue at number three. And so I don't know what AP voters will do on Monday. It, it'll either be Duke or Purdue at number one. That's obvious. And those are the only two sensible options. And I, when I wrote that, some people got confused by that. Well, if Duke and Purdue are the only sensible options for number one, then why is Purdue number three? How can't? Why can't they crack the top two? Well, you can't sensibly keep Gonzaga number one after it just lost a neutral court game to undefeated Duke. But you can sensibly leave, drop Gonzaga to two. Right behind Duke, and then leave Purdue at three. But 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 Purdue is the only alternative sensible option to Duke at number one. And though I used to write a column uh, clowning AP voters uh, every single Monday, um, if I were still writing that column, and Purdue was ranked number one tomorrow on Monday, I, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't write it about that. There's nothing crazy or wrong about writing about voting Purdue number one. It should be Duke or Purdue, and it could be either. I just went with Duke. But it could sensibly be either, and uh, they they both, through the first few weeks of the season, look like legitimate national title contenders. I just think at this point, and I'm not even trying to tell you Duke looks better than Purdue. I'm not even saying that. I'm just saying, right now, if you stack up top two wins, or, or best win, or best two wins, however you want to do it, um, nobody can match Duke right now.
0: That is, that is correct. Um, I would lean Duke ever so slightly uh in resume if you told me duke and purdue were playing on a neutral tomorrow man that'd be a tough one uh because i like i really like purdue um duke by the way has played more games uh when ranked number one than any team ever this was not when one of those cases but if they if they get to number one they'll this number will go up they played 283 times as uh, as the number one ranked team in the country so we'll see if that winds up happening on wendell moore this was the stat that duke uh athletics passed along he's the only he's the nation's only power conference player averaging at least 17 points six rebounds five assists shooting 50 percent from the field phenomenal stuff there uh duke also owned 23.2 23-2 to two in turnover uh, points off turnovers gonzaga couldn't get going whatsoever i thought holmgren was just he was just okay uh, the fouls were a major issue. I don't think it was a horribly officiated game. It just didn't help that there was, you know, a lot of fouls. And then you look up in Gonzaga. I think, it, I think they had four guys with four fouls near the end of that game. And, uh, like one of them was, uh, a foul against Williams when Timmy went up. Just a one. I just love seeing that play. I didn't know. I didn't know Timmy had it in him to take take on Mark Williams. Really uh, go to the rack and try and slam it down on him. And Williams made a beautiful block. Barely any body contact. Shouldn't have been a foul on Williams. Um, Timmy wound up having four, and Gonzaga still has a few more opportunities. But uh, in losing this game. Uh, loses a, a, a big opportunity against a potential number one seed candidate in Duke. Uh, getting that kind of quad one, high-level quad one win could wind up paying off because we'll wait and see what the rest of the conference brings with, uh, with Gonzaga. The WCC is up. Uh, shouts to, like, BYU, still undefeated. San Francisco Dons. The, San Francisco's 8-0. No, they're the only team with eight wins in the country, and they're in the WCC. So uh, Todd Golden's doing a good job there, and Gonzaga will have good opportunities, I think healthier opportunities in conference play down the road. Uh, so if you're a Gonzaga fan and you're wondering, is a loss like this going to damage you from a number one T perspective? Not yet. You still got big non-conference profile games against Texas Tech and Alabama. And there's another one in there. I don't have the schedule up in front of me. And then you'll have opportunities, uh, obviously, in the conference to get quad one wins. But again, this was more about to me, it was just about Duke. It's like, OK. Opening night was one thing. Then they played a bunch of pushovers. Here was the second real contest and they showed up, showed out, played well. And Bancaro missed like seven minutes of action because of cramps. So it could have not even been as close if he was fully a go and able to play and had continued that. It might not have even been as close as it was, but thankful that it was close. And we got, in my estimation, the best game through the first 18 days of the season.
1: One last thing on Duke. It should be noted. A.J. Griffin. Like, did you even notice him?
0: I noticed noticed that I wasn't noticing him. I actually mentioned in our Slack chat uh, that he wasn't getting any burn, and I thought that was kind of telling.
1: He played six minutes. Now, remember, he had that preseason injury that kept him away from practice, and I've heard it from enough coaches to just trust that it's true. When those first-year players miss significant time in the preseason or offseason, it really gets them behind. It's why we've had a a little run in recent years of – High school players graduating early and like joining in the semester, and you're like, "Ooh, wow, it's a top 15 prospect." He might, and and the, what a, what a coach will tell you, whether it's John Calipari or anybody else who's who's handled these types of players. And it appears Kentucky is going to have another one with Shaden Sharp um, enrolling early. But I think the plan right now is for him not to play. And the reason is because when you miss that, it's hard to catch up, man. It's just when you miss time, you get left behind. Um, as a first year player. And it seems obvious that that has happened to AJ Griffin at this point. He's just not ready to, to, to be a contributor um, for this caliber of team right now. But uh, the point I'm trying to make is that he's a, all, you know, coming into this season, he's a projected lottery pick by most. And Duke is number one in the country, at least according to me, right now. And they've got nothing from him. So what if he shows up? Like, what if he starts to actually be the player that he is as a prospect? Well, then they just got another incredible weapon. And so keep it'll be interesting to keep an eye on that going forward. Like, when or if, but I think it's more when rather than if, when will he start to be um, a real role player? Like, 25-minute-a-game guy on this team, 22-minute-a-game guy on this team. Because if you can tap into that talent, well, then you've just added another possible lottery pick to a team that is obviously great without him. And that makes Duke, in theory, that much more dangerous. Here's a question for you. Is Iowa State legitimately good after being picked last in the Big 12? We will discuss the Cyclones next, but first, check this out.
2: So there's already
1: one team in the top 25 and one that I never expected to be there this season. It's Iowa State. Uh, the Cyclones went two and 22 last season, 0 and 18 in the Big 12. I mean, awful. They fire Steve Prohm, hire TJ Otzelberger, and now they're six and 0 with a 12 point win over Xavier and a 19 point win over Memphis. That's two double-digit wins over teams that were ranked in last Monday's AP poll. Now, it's unclear if these results say more about Iowa State or Xavier and Memphis, but when you're 6-0 with those wins, it's worthy of attention, especially when the expectations were so low. So I put Iowa State in the top 25-1 and one on Sunday morning, and I know that the computer numbers still don't support it because there's a lot of, you know, preseason, last season data uh, in there. But if you just basing rankings on what we've seen so far this season, 6-0, and like one good win could be fluky. Two in a row makes me think there might really be something there. Would you have put Iowa State, if you were dumb enough to rank basketball teams every morning, would you have put Iowa State in your top 26?
0: Computer numbers do do support it, GP. Torvik's uh Torvik's rankings when you eliminate preseason bias. Iowa State, 20th best performing team since uh the season started.
1: Let me stop you there because I, I tried to figure out how to do that. I can't figure it out. I'm not I'm gonna you know what? No one tell him. Let's Please tell me. I, I, spent, no I spent I spent twenty minutes at Barttorvik.com over the weekend trying to eliminate, trying to focus on this season's stat just exactly <laughs> and, and I just I might as well have been trying to get YouTube alerts. It was so futile. <laughs> what's, stopping, what's stopping you from simply just shooting me a phone call? I wanted because because you guys already make fun of me for not knowing how to do things that come naturally to you when it comes to technology or uh, you know Slack and YouTube and making sure your microphone works when it's supposed to work. I'm already like I'm 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 aware, self aware enough to know that I'm I'm the. I'm on the wrong end of those jokes. So me picking up the phone to call you and say, I can't figure out. I know you're probably with your kids and enjoying your family, but I can't figure out BartTorfic.com. I just felt like that'd be me playing right into your hands.
0: Oh, boy. I'm going to give you a couple more days to try and figure this out and then tell you. Okay? It's, okay. it's It's quite easy. But right now, <laughs> Iowa State is 20th. Wisconsin is 19th. Wagner is 21st. Again, this is no preseason bias. This is only based upon how you've played against your competition and what you'd expect uh, to be done there. So Iowa State, how about them, man? Are they good? I know this. They've tripled their win total, and we're not <laughs> even in December from last season. Good on uh, TJ Otzelberger, who, when he got this job, I mean, it was a natural fit, but this is one of those deals where um, like, it was, it was almost – Lincoln Riley esque in terms of, uh, he now also burger was not asked after a UNLV loss, if he was going to be, uh, say coaching, <laughs> coaching Oklahoma next year or whatever. And then winds up coaching at Iowa state, which by the way, can we just like quickly, just quickly get off the off ramp and hop back on. How amazing is that moment from Lincoln Riley where it's, it's completely like, pay attention to this hand and don't worry about <laughs> over here. And he, the exact quote, do I have it here? he gets asked i couldn't not let, i couldn't not this bring bring this up he goes this is after losing bedlam let me stop you right there i'm not going to be the next coach at lsu next question incredible
1: come very on good. no very good like coaches i've actually had coaches ask me how would you handle this i'm going to get asked about this job i don't know what to say i don't want to lie but being honest doesn't seem to be <laughs> doesn't seem to work either Like in in any sort of normal um, career, um, it's totally understandable for people to listen to options and explore better opportunities. And we all understand it. Like I I used to say all the time, like if I, um, when I was working at the Commercial Appeal newspaper, I listened to other opportunities every time they popped up. And, you know, I, I, I rejected some. I ended up obviously taking one. But every time I did it, Nobody would think I was being wrong or awful for like listening to another career opportunity. And we, we hold coaches to such a different standard. Like you, you, you better not even listen to another job or else you, you, you know, you're doing something wrong. It's just crazy. Um, I mean, I get it. I mean, there's no way to solve it, but I like, I've actually had coaches, you know, like, what should I do? I, I'm a mid-major coach who is being pursued by high majors. Obviously I'm listening. You know, I don't know. It doesn't mean I don't like my job, but if I'm going to make three times as much money and be able to have charter, like, don't I have, like, I have to consider that, but my fans won't understand if I tell them, of course, I'm considering that doesn't mean I'll go. It is just, it's a complicated deal, weird deal, but it, undeniably complicated. And so Lincoln Riley, like he, he, he he did this thing where he jumped out in front of it as if he's killing it. Like, guys, hey, before we even go there, just let me tell you, I'm not going to be the head coach at LSU. And in reality, it's like, because I'm going to be the head coach at USC. But at that point, nobody stood up and said, well, what about USC? So, just, are you, so that means,
0: Lincoln, right now you're willing to tell us you're staying at Oklahoma and going to coach Oklahoma next season. Just no one thought to ask it in the room. They didn't, oh. th- they didn't think to clarify. It's like the Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I'm immunized. No clarification in the room. And you- it's exactly
1: right. It's the exact same thing. It, it, like you, you throw something out there that's technically true, but totally misleading. That's what Lincoln Riley did. And I've, I saw some people on Twitter, and I promise we'll get back to basketball, Iowa State specifically in a moment. But um, they're like, why would Lincoln Riley do this? W- what? Why wouldn't he? You, you, you get to, First off, there's, I can't imagine there's anything better in terms of quality of life than being wealthy in Southern California. Being poor in Southern California would stink. But being wealthy in Southern California, it's an amazing place to live. Plus, you got the best job in your league. You live in an amazing city. And you avoid having to go to the SEC with a good job, but there's like eight other jobs just like your job in that league. Like, I wonder, he might have taken this job no matter what with Alfred, period. I wonder if the move to the SEC didn't actually cost Oklahoma its football coach on some level. If he just had said, you know what, why do I – like we we had it good. We're going to the playoff. We're winning the Big Twelve every year. We're going to the playoff every year, and you want to move to the SEC? We'll be fighting with Georgia, Alabama, Auburn, Texas A and M, you know LSU, Texas. In theory, if Texas ever gets good again, like what? what are you, why are we we had it good? Why are you why are you running over there? I'll just go to USC, and now I'll run the Pac twelve. Same way I've just been running the Big Twelve. It, it it makes incredible sense to me for him to do it. Um. And then, did you see? There's a report that uh, Oklahoma is interested in maybe Cliff Kingsbury.
0: Yeah, come, on, what are we doing?
1: Well, here's the thing: you you scoff at that, like, what are we doing? But do you realize what college football coaches are making right now? Mel Tucker just got 95 million guaranteed. There is no NFL job that's going to give you 95 million guaranteed. No, not not, not. not, not yeah. Cliff Kingsbury. But so, what if Oklahoma says you want 100 million dollars guaranteed money to come be our coach? Like you got a hundred billion dollars. Like that's the kind of money these guys are getting these days. It's you true. got, you got to listen to that.
0: A bigger, I know there's pros and cons to both of this stuff. Bob's um, Bob going to coach Oklahoma in the interim. Very fascinating college football goings on. So yeah, sorry to, uh, to veer into that territory, yeah. but it is, it is super interesting. And uh, it, both college basketball and college football, when you look at the jobs that have opened and the turnover that's happened, you know, a lot of humongous programs in college hoops open and now football is going through the same thing as 2021 has been extremely interesting on the coaching front in both of those sports as for the cyclones. Okay. I State say fans, we got you. Don't worry. Um, six 0 for the first time since 2015, 16, the team beat top 25 opponents for the first time in back-to-back games. Uh, since March of 2019, they were able to get a great play out of uh, Gabe Kalsher, who had 30 against Memphis. Isaiah Brockington went for 30 the night before, or two nights before, against Xavier. Uh, that hasn't happened between Iowa State opponents, two different guys going for at least 30 in consecutive games in 33 years, I think I saw. So, phenomenal. And they're getting off to a good start. They ha- In five of their six games, they've been leading at the half. So, this qualifies as one of the most surprising teams in the country. No doubt about it. I'll be talking with TJ Otzelberger on Monday. The court reports debut at CBS will be Wednesday. Iowa state will be featured in that. After I talk to uh, TJ and basically get the scoop on, on how he's been able to do this. Xavier was, a I can, pre-season- tell,
1: you. I can tell you how he did it. Okay. Right. Should I not even call TJ? Then you're just, you don't me. need to call TJ. I already talked to him. <laughs> just let me tell you. Um, top six scores are all new to the program. It's five transfers and a top 40 freshman Tyrese Hunter was top 40 in the class of 2021 he's starting third leading scorer. they bring Isaiah Brockington from Penn State who you know averaged 12.6 points at Penn State last season Gabe Kausher from Minnesota who averaged nine points at, at Minnesota last season those are the top two scores right now then you got Tyrese Hunter Jazz Koontz transferred in from Washington State Tristan in Aruna in Aruna uh, transferred in from Kansas. Caleb Grill transfers follows TJ from UNLV. So he's got five transfer. It's a totally new team. So it was very easy for all of us to say, oh, Iowa State only won two games last. Those dudes that won two games last season ain't got nothing to do with what's happening right now. It's all new, capable transfers and a high-level freshman. And those guys have allowed, you know, Iowa State to go from 113th at Ken Palm to 74th already. That's a 39-spot improvement over a six-game span. And so put all that in your court report.
0: <laughs> I got it. Um, I'll circle back to Iowa State in a second. This is all in the NIT, so Wednesday, Friday. Virginia Tech gets out of there without a win, period. And it played Memphis close, but it lost, and it lost Xavier in a tight one. So it goes from 5-0 and oh to 5-2. and two. Doesn't have a good win yet. Virginia Tech, Memphis, or Xavier goes one and one, loses to Iowa State, beats uh, beats Virginia Tech. Getting out of that one and one, I think, is actually extremely important for Xavier and its chances down the road. Um, they they're still waiting to be fully healthy. There we go, Memphis. You know, I don't know, man. The, defensively, they've got such a high ceiling. I watch most of their most of both of these games, and they are just. A nightmare to watch with the ball, man. They, they they, do not have a point guard, and it is horrendous. So I know you talk about the Tigers all the time on your radio show, and we talk about it here, and we poke fun and all that. Um, And the story is Iowa State coming out of it. There's no doubt about it. But Memphis is the highest-profile team. It's got two future lottery picks, likely lottery picks. Uh, Jalen Dern and Monty Bates were largely non-factors in both of these games here. So to me, it was glaring. Uh, credit to Iowa State because they won the games; they deserve it. In fact, I tweeted about Memphis. Iowa State fans got all on me for <laughs> Listen, the clones are doing wonderful. You're getting some. Memphis ain't going to be in the court report on Wednesday, okay? So more love coming there. But come on now, Parrish. This team—I don't—they got to figure it out. Uh, they, uh, you know, I, and maybe you can't. Maybe they will have a certain ceiling. It's going to be very uh, opponent-dependent. But boy, oh boy, it just, it feels like something we at least should talk about for a quick second here because them not having a point guard, like it cannot be Imani Bates running that offense. He is not a point guard. He has the ability to pass the ball and certainly handle and distribute here and there. He is not the guy you want running the offense. He is a scorer. He is a true two. And and the guys they have in there, it's kind of a rotating cast of who's going to run the offense. It's it's a problem for the Tigers.
1: Um, They have one natural point guard on the roster. It's Alex Lomax. And with all due respect, I say this as nicely as I can say it because I like Alex Lomax. Like I want him to graduate college, get a great job and move next door to me and we can raise our families together. I like him as a person. He's not good enough to play this number of minutes at that position for a team that has these aspirations. And this isn't one of those deals where, yeah, but he's young and maybe he'll get back. He's he's played 90 something games. He's a senior. He is what he is, and what he is is somebody averaging five point two points three assist two point seven turnovers a game shooting thirty six percent from the field uh fourteen point three percent from three he is a non shooter non driver non finisher like even the things people say he's supposed to do well, he doesn't do those things well like it's 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 well you know he's a he's a real run your team point guard except he's not he doesn't do that well either um it is I, I, you're right. I talk about Memphis a lot because I host a radio show there and all offseason after they got Jalen Duren, Imani Bates. One of the things I said consistently was if this were the NBA, I would trade either one of those five star freshmen plus another rotation player for Andrew Nimhardt. I would like that. That's what they, they need a point guard and they don't have one. And they might be able to be really good, in, you know, despite not having a point guard. Because they thought they would. If you talk to the coaching staff in the offseason, it was going to be point guard by committee. Listen, all we got to do is get the ball across half court, get us into our offense. It'll be fine. So obviously not fine. They had 23 turnovers against Iowa State. Their offensive turnover percentage is now 26.6. That ranks 353rd in the country. The only teams worse at taking care of the ball are IUPUI, Houston Baptist, Grambling State, UT Arlington, and Jacksonville. In the entire country, that's it. It's a list of five. There's 358, and there's only five teams worse than Memphis at taking care of the ball. Um, at this point, like, and it's, a real, it's really interesting because Penny has shown the ability to enroll you know, whatever he wants. Five-star centers, five-star power forwards, five-star wings. Never a five-star point guard. It's always been Alex Lomax. Do you realize last season when they got good, and went on that run, like they went 11-2 and two in their final 13 games, beat Mississippi State, Boise State, Colorado State, Dayton, only two losses in that stretch, both to Houston, one by two points, one by three points. Like they got really good. Kelvin Sampson subsequently told, I think, um, a buddy John Rothstein that, you know, we went the Final Four. We played four games. We won four games to get to the Final Four, and none of those games were as hard as the two games against Memphis. Memphis got good last season. You know when they got good? When Alex Lomax got hurt. He was unavailable. Penny couldn't use him. Didn't have him as an option. So they just went with Boogie Ellis and uh, Damian Baugh and they got good. And now Boogie Ellis is at USC, leading the team in scoring I believe, undefeated USC. Damian Baugh's been hurt, but he's at TCU. Those guys got so frustrated with not being the primary guard. This isn't the only reason they transferred but you don't have to be a genius to assume like boogie ellis is like i came here to be a point guard and i'm you know not playing that position as much as i'd like because of alex lomax yeah i'm gonna go back to california and then they didn't prioritize it in the transfer portal and oh by the way the number one point guard prospect in america kennedy chandler is from memphis i mean it's like a you know, I don't know, but there are Memphis fans who are convinced he just didn't want to recruit over Alex's head. I, I don't know that I believe that, but I know whatever caused this, they 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 have they are now stuck with an incredibly talented roster that is amazing defensively, but they cannot run a half-court offense. And it is largely because they don't have a quality point guard. It's not only because, but it's largely because. And at th- at this point, I would just start trying any option other than Alex Lomax. Anything, you know what he is. So try anything. Let Earl Timberlake work through it. Let just Earl Timberlake's my point guard, for better or worse. Let's see how it goes, and then I would simplify the offense. Whatever it is they're teaching is not. It's not working. It's not coming through. I'm sure it all sounds great in a in a in you know in an office, you know on a dry erase board, but it is clearly not connecting with the players. And this is not a just a sick. This isn't just a early season thing for them. It was the same thing last season. They were great defensively and very bad offensively. And so far this season, it's a lot of the same stuff. They've got to just turn another direction at point guard and simplify the offense because like what they've been doing, it's at this point, it's pretty clear. It's not going to work.
0: Want to take a little tour of the weekend?
1: Yeah. um, Because there were some other interesting things besides what happened in Las Vegas and what happened in Brooklyn. But before we get to, uh, some of those more interesting results. Allow me uh, to remind you that the CBS Sports Store, are you familiar with the CBS Sports Store, deadleg? Of course. Having a cyber sale. I believe tomorrow's Cyber Monday. I believe we're on Cyber Monday Eve right now. We are. <laughs> I think this is what they call Cyber Monday Eve. We're spending our Cyber Monday Eve live on YouTube. Who would have ever imagined either of those things 20 years ago? Ten years ago. You know what I'm saying? The world's changing rapidly. You hear, this, you hear about this new variant? <laughs> We're not at the end of the podcast yet. Yeah. are <laughs> <laughs> having a cyber sale at the CBS Sports Store uh, through 11 p.m., 1159 p.m. Eastern on Monday night. And so there's Ion College Basketball apparel available there. Hats, shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, pint glasses, water bottles, stickers. I might buy something for myself. Do you have any Ion College basketball apparel? Uh Do you your, man is,
0: your man is in the process of trying to make some legitimately good Ion College basketball apparel a thing. So anyone watching live now, we don't have anything yet, but that will be something for later in the year.
1: Are you suggesting that what's in the CBS sports store is not good?
0: It's not up to this podcast standards. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> there are many amazing things in the sports store. We are going Woo. to do we are going to do better than merely an Ion College basketball logo on a t shirt. So um uh I would imagine at some point. Wow, um, maybe maybe we no, shouldn't have promoted the store if you were just gonna crap on it. I would imagine that. no, everything is good except the shirts for our this specific podcast. Uh okay. I would imagine at some point we will incorporate some kind of podcast shirt that also has a dodo bird on it, just for example. So um we want to uh, give those listeners an opportunity. It's just not ready yet.
1: But everything else, absolutely. Cyber Monday, let's get it going, you know? So if you want to go buy some merchandise that Deadleg frowns upon, you can do it. That website is store.cbssports.com. That's store.cbssports.com. Man, if we weren't live, I'd take this out already. It's all good. I've already talked about it with the bosses. So okay. They are, they are in
0: agreement that our shirts are not up to standards. Um, Kansas Dayton got a, got a lead on this. Okay. Because of this exact, you know, a big weekend all around, but this particular moment is why we need to start with what the flyers who won the ESPN events invitational on Sunday before that happened. This happened.
1: Now Smith
2: they are looking for Smith to drive the basketball. They're looking for him to drive the basketball. And there he goes. There he goes. To drive the to basketball. Basketball. Oh. They get it back though. They get it back. Sealed oh. for the win. Oh. Oh. win it? oh, my God. Oh, my God. It went down. Oh, my God. Look at the bad look. look at the bad I can't believe it. I can't believe it, Boone. I can't believe it, Boo.
0: I mean. We absolutely love it. By the way, at the end of that highlight, you see Bill Self going over to give a high five to Dayton's bench. This was a great thing that I noticed. Uh, Mark Few was like all smiles after Duke beat him. And uh, like Bill Self is like throwing high fives at the the Dayton coaches when they were able to get that win. Um, Mustafa Amzil hit the buzzer beater. How about this? It was his only shot attempt of the day. Wild. It actually came after David McCormick, who had – missed uh uh, who had bungled the play before uh he winds up blocking malachi smith's shot didn't gets the ball back and they wind up winning it it was just an awesome 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 call i mean that that bounced and the hear like we've we've talked about dickie v on recent podcasts obviously it was wonderful to have him back and i love that he got this moment man it's just it's phenomenal there so dayton gets a big win they they've got officially the weirdest resume in college basketball i don't know if (laughs) some teams i mean no there's nothing weirder than their resume. I, out, I imagine you
2: probably been,
0: yeah. I mean you by nature you're probably like, do I need to give Dayton a look for top 25 and one? And then you look at who they lost to, and you're like, there's no way I can put this they, team in this They team. have beaten Kansas, Miami, and Belmont. Yeah. They got the win over Belmont Sunday, yes.
1: And they have lost to Lipscomb, Austin P, and UMass Lowell. <laughs> Dayton, I looked this up earlier today. Um, first team to beat Kansas and Elvis Presley's uh, to beat Kansas and lose to Elvis Presley's alma mater in the same month in the history of college basketball. Oh, it was historic.
0: There, this is the only college basketball podcast that is live on video. And it's the only college basketball podcast where you getting those nuggets. Okay. You're getting Parrish's nuggets. They're great. Right. That's good stuff right there. Elvis's alma mater and Kansas both ends of the spectrum. Come on now, by the way, second team this is per ESPN stats and info because we properly credit on this podcast when we come upon stats that we didn't I dig don't. up ourselves but I got oh by the way before we get out of here I got a stat woo baby um but we'll wait on that Dayton is the second team in the past 10 seasons to come from 15 down and be the team ranked in the AP top 5 at the buzzer you have the other team to do it 2 years ago to the day prior or was that Phenomenal Stephen F. Austin win at Duke when Duke was the number one ranked team on 11-26-19. Congrats to Dayton and that fan base. Uh, (laughs) You know, as I tweeted, nothing is going to ever make up for losing. I tweeted, nothing is ever going to make up for losing that opportunity to win a 2020 NCAA tournament, but this has got to feel really good. And then I had 17 Dayton fans prove they can't read and say, this is an absurd take. Nothing will make up for not being able to <laughs> I
1: hate, I hate Twitter. The, I thought,
0: I, the, I thought the, about you, and I was like, you know what? This is why like, I tell Paris not to check the mentions and quotes. Well like,
1: well, like, how about this? Just today. So it's just Sunday afternoon. I'm, I'm furious with my children. We we both have that going for us today then. No, I got, let me tell you what my little guy did. Bless, I love him so much. But he and his buddy were decided they were going to practice baseball, which I encouraged. I said, you should practice baseball. I thought it was clear. I meant outside. They went into their playroom, and they were putting hard baseballs on the tee and hitting them into the wall. (sighs) Ah. There's like five holes in the wall today. Base holes. And then they would take they thought that was awesome. So they took that they were with a baseball bat punching holes in the wall. I mean, if, it, if we had time, I'd just take the computer in there and show you. It's outrageous. Like why do you like what why do you think that's okay to do? Like even at five, you know, you have to know that's not okay to do, right? Yeah what are we doing
0: i just i had a three-year-old going crayons on the wall so it's do it's manageable but it's like it's it's the seventh time in like six
1: weeks yeah well we've done that too and and all of this is manageable it's all manageable like i mean i mean i'm gonna have to call people out here you're not not drywalling there's no shot i'm not drywalling anything are you out of your mind so i will have to call it's all manageable but it's incredibly frustrating like there are just some things we should Let's not, let's not draw on the wall. Let's not hit baseballs into the wall. Let's not take a bat and punch holes in your wall. This is the same little dude that the other day took our, our little puppy's uh, glass water bowl outside into the street and just smashed it. Why? Why are you destroying things? My God. So it's no that- shot
0: we were this irresponsible when we were children, of course. there's This just did not happen.
1: I mean, I did dumb things, too. I remember when I was around his age, I actually have this memory. I filled my dad's car up with with water, took the water hose and filled it up with water. I thought I was helping him. I was like, Dad, you don't have to go pay for it anymore. I filled your car up with water. So, like, who am I to get mad about anything, right? But it doesn't stop me from getting mad. So I'm sitting there dealing with that. This is what Twitter is. sitting there dealing with that, and I'm preparing for this podcast, believe it or not. And... I get a tweet from a guy responding to this morning's top 25 and one. He said, BYU beat Utah in the years between 2011 and 2021. So there is an error in this article because in that article, I wrote that Mark Pope just led BYU to a win at Utah for the first time since 2011. So then I see that and I'm like, well, I thought that was right, but maybe it wasn't. (laughs) So then I spend five minutes going back through the BYU-Utah series of the past decade, only to find out that what? I was exactly right. But that guy had it wrong. And then that guy made me go back and check. That's what I'm dealing with. Between that and people who look at rankings from three days earlier and ask me questions about them now. (laughs) Oh, that's the one. That's the one that drives me crazy. Oh, it'll be like... uh, (laughs) you know oh so you thought kansas should have been how do you have kansas number two after they lost to dayton and they're looking at rankings from last tuesday i mean it happens every day
0: every day it happens oh my gosh talk about an unintended consequence you didn't fully anticipate
1: or appreciate the idiocy of people that read
0: the internet that's
1: so good oh my god it's like i just get so frustrated i'm like you can't be a real person but they are they're usually real people
0: Uh. Man. Oh man. That's just good stuff. Good stuff.
1: Um, but congrats the, the other one they do. They judge me and, and, and they get my rankings in the AP poll confused. So if the AP poll has somebody seven and I have them nine, they will come ask me, why did you drop them? And I'm like, they haven't dropped in five days. What are you talking about? Well, they're number seven in the AP poll and you dropped them to nine. One has nothing to do with the other. Why are we having this conversation? Makes me, I'm gonna go put holes in the wall. (laughs) It's just they're already there. We got to get them fixed anyway. I should be able to put some holes in the wall. Anyway.
0: Congrats to the Dayton fans, the good ones. There are so, so many of you out there. By the way, K- uh, Kansas and Alabama were anticipated to play in the ESPN Events Invitational, previously the Old Spice Classic championship game. That did not wind up happening. Kansas got out of Orlando with wins over North Texas and Iona and a loss to Dayton. Meanwhile, Bama got knocked off by Iona in a rematch of the NCAA tournament first round, and then it beat Drake. And since we started, it's now 70-46 to 46 Alabama over Miami. I think the Canes had a 10-point lead when we started podcasting this, so... Bama's going to be fine there. Iona did get a top five win. Good for the Gales there and Rick Pitino, but unfortunately they stumbled. Uh, they stumbled there thereafter. Um, best game since we last podcasted. I'd go Duke one over Gonzaga. Number two, UConn over Auburn. 115, 109, double OT, Atlantis quarters. I'd go Florida over Ohio State. Tyree Appleby, three-pointer at the buzzer. Florida's now 6-0, beat Troy on Sunday. Gators with a huge win. Dayton over Kansas, I'd rank fourth. Great ending. Good game, but not as good as the others. And then Iona over Alabama was also a really, really, uh, really good one. How about some love to some teams that got it done around the country? Baylor is awesome. Um, we talked about Duke and how good it, great it can be. Baylor has a 13-game win streak against uh, D1 competition. That's the longest in the sport. It's won 31 consecutive non-conference games by 20 plus points. It won the battle for Atlantis and was never fully challenged. Other teams that won tournament competition. Wisconsin won Maui, which was in Vegas. Jonathan Davis is, uh, well, he's going to be better than I think almost anyone thought. And because of that, Wisconsin, how about this, Badgers fans? I tweeted this out, and I included it in my power rankings. All but two teams since Maui began in 84 have won Maui and gone on to play in the NCAA tournament, or in Kansas' case, it would have been a 1C, but there was no 2020 NCAA tournament. So the two teams were... Providence in 84 and Vanderbilt in 86 or 87. So if you're a Wisconsin fan, the projection in the in the early part of the season was that you weren't going to necessarily be a tournament team. History suggests if you win Maui, you're going to get there. So five and one for the Badgers, good for you. Uh, USC, which GP mentioned with Boogie Ellis, they're 6-0. They won the Wooden Legacy tournament. LSU is 7-0. It won the Emerald Coast Classic. Arkansas is 6-0. It won the Hall of Fame Classic. And then Louisville without Chris Mack, whose six-game suspension is now over. Won the Bahamar Bahamas uh, Classic. So, those are some teams that got some tournament wins. I don't, you want to go anywhere with any of those or any other teams? I just wanted to give a a quick update on some of the notable teams that really did well for themselves over the weekend because Lord knows there were teams that did not do well for themselves.
1: Well, I'm always interested in the players who make big jumps from, say, one season to the next, freshman to sophomore year, whatever. And if you're looking at that right now, um, Johnny Davis is one of those guys. You know, at Wisconsin, he was. Um, a three-star prospect in the class of 2020, like ranked 164th in the country, according to 24-7 Sports, averaged seven points per game last season, just a guy. He's now averaging 20.2 points per game. And the only game Wisconsin's lost is a game that he didn't play in. He had a lower body injury. That's the way it was described. So he didn't play against Providence. They lose to Providence. And then he comes, they got he got 30 against Houston and like I, I always, I, I tend to focus on the idiotic emails or tweets I got. I did get a, a email from a Wisconsin fan over the weekend who was a little too angry. He was a little too. I didn't like his tone, but he was making good points. <laughs> you, know, you know, he was like, uh, "It is ridiculous that you're not ranking Wisconsin." Do you realize the only game we've lost is a game where Johnny Davis didn't play, and he's clearly our best player, and this number and that number, and we just beat them. And I was like. All right, he's making a good point. Like, yeah, maybe I should rank Wisconsin. But there's no scenario I'm doing it now. <laughs> and then uh, St. Bonaventure had to get knocked out, and I put Wisconsin in on Sunday morning. Um, so that, that's an example of a, of a reader, like, being, like, looking at the rankings and saying, hey, I didn't like his tone, but he was right. I, I probably wasn't properly respecting what Wisconsin had done. Um, but I got him in there now. And that's a nice little start to the story because, you know, Greg Gard, I don't think he's on a hot seat. I don't think, but like, it's been a little bit of a rough go, you know, um, that, that weird audio came out over the off season where he was having a pretty uh, uncomfortable conversation with a senior. Just, just been some stuff around the program that hasn't been great. And so for them to get off to a nice start um, is obviously a good sign. Um, Baylor, you mentioned, um, you know, they're the only team in the country, top five in offensive and defensive adjusted efficiency, according to Ken pa. Only one other team is top 10 in both. That's Houston. Uh Baylor's top five in both, only team in the country. And here's another one where they've got, you know, players making jumps. LJ Cryer, you know, the, all these guys are role players on that championship team. And now LJ Cryer's, you know, 14.7 points per game. Matthew uh, uh, Meyer is, is. Eleven point three points, four point nine rebounds. James Akinjo from Arizona's scoring double digits. Kendall Brown, the five-star freshman, doing you know Baylor looks legit. They look. uh, It's wild to think you could lose four starters, two NBA guards, and not enroll like this amazing recruiting class, and still like be a legitimate national championship contender. uh, But but they clearly are.
0: I um, just want to give a shout here. Uh, looks like Nada adjusted the uh, comments here. You, we can actually see what's happening on YouTube. And you guys are chatty. This is really, really, really cool. Um, and we got someone from Paris watching now. It's 815 Eastern. I got to figure Paris time is minimum 1215, 115 in the morning. That's really, really cool. So so thank you, uh, seriously, to everyone that that's hopped along in the, in this first endeavor uh, from a live perspective. That's really, really, really cool. Um, and uh, yeah, that's awesome. Nada, you're going to say hello before this podcast is done, by the way, but not yet. Um, you mentioned Bana; they lost to Northern Iowa. AJ Green, who is awesome, had 35 in that game. I, we've had there 17 or 18 teams that are ranked lose to unranked teams so far this season. Uh, something in that number. I was trying to count it up earlier on Sunday. Uh, Bona was a bad loss. Winthrop lost. Uh, Winthrop beat Washington. Oregon State lost to Penn State. Not a terrible loss but Oregon State. I mean, shouts to Wayne Tinkle. <laughs> the man got paid, and he's going to maybe have the worst team in the Pac-12, but the Pac-12's got plenty of competition because Washington State lost to Eastern Washington. Elsewhere, Monmouth beat Cincinnati. Uh, we can get to Rutgers in a second, I guess, if you want. They lost to UMass. I don't know what's going on uh, with them at all, but we'll get to that with games to look at. But those are You know, a lot of the more high profile stuff happened and we're going to pay attention to that, but I'm not going to let the teams that took bad losses get out of here without a mention there. So we've got what's intriguing two and a half weeks into the season is there's been a a number of unexpected and bad losses, and it's not yet clear to me just how this. Tournament picture is gonna is gonna shake out. Uh we still got a couple more weeks of non-conference play, but a lot of this damage has been done. A lot of a lot of teams have played at least half of their non-conference games, and these games really add up. They really matter because you know, this is what you get judged against uh once we get to March there. So those were a few that uh that didn't play all that well. Although I will give a shout to BYU. How about this one? How about this stat of the day? It's men's basketball team, women's basketball team, football team, volleyball team, and soccer. Did not lose a game. In the month of November, those teams, win a combined 29 and zero. they also had individual members win uh, win uh, medals at the cross country national championships for NCAA men's and women's BYU team of the month. Good on them. So I want to give a little shout to that.
1: I have the BYU channel.
0: Dude, how about this? I don't know what changed and how it changed, but I went to go watch BYU versus Utah on Saturday night. And I no longer get the Pac-12 Network.
1: <laughs> it's impossible.
0: It's, I, I, mean, I had this. This was my thing. I don't. I didn't do anything. I swear to you. I almost sent you a scr- a picture, but again, I didn't know. It was. It was late. I'm like, I'm not sending Parrish a picture of my television showing me that I no longer get the Pac-12 dude, Network. I was. I was oh. up.
1: I was up. I was thinking about texting you. <laughs> I. I stumbled into the best Big Bang Challenge I ever seen last night. I wish I'd have bookmarked it. I just didn't even. I was. <sighs> I was gonna send it to you and I was like, well, that's weird. That's a weird thing to do. But well, I was
0: thinking I wanted you know to. what? I, I was thinking I was thinking about you a lot too, buddy. And that's and because it's this, because I didn't get to watch. So I had the football game on, but I was gonna go two screens or whatever. And I didn't get uh BYU Utah. So I was like, you know what? Like, I'm gonna just I'm gonna start digging into this uh Beatles documentary. And so I did. I got like 45 minutes in and it's awesome. It's exactly I a buddy of mine was T- had uh texted me I was like have you started watching i was like no i haven't but i'll get there he's like it's not what you think it's gonna be and i'm like okay so i started well have you watched it at all yet Which what the beatles documentary get back i, you-
1: I started it and then i you know it was one of those late night starts and then yeah. i just i fell asleep it's, but it's i, but like I
0: it's Them in their creative pro- i don't know i'm only at 45 I,
1: minutes in but it's
0: it's exactly I would, what i want it to be i think a lot of people are, it's not gonna be what they think it is i want to see those four dudes sitting around and kind of pensive, you know, nearing the end of their of their uh, relationship as a
1: band, trying to songwrite. This is exactly what I want. So I don't know where it's oh, going. And I'm yeah. loving what I'm watching so. Like, far. yeah, I don't, you know, nine hours is a lot, obviously. But I can tell you this: while I was watching it, I was totally into it and totally interested in what it was because it was just four geniuses, or at least two. <laughs> do you know, I don't know where yeah. you draw the. I don't know where you draw the line on geniuses. I put Harrison,
0: I put Harrison in that. No,
1: uh, first time. Okay, so at least three geniuses. And um what I didn't realize is, and again, it was late at night. I don't. I'm always thinking so clear late at night. So correct me if I'm wrong, but it was like I didn't realize they had like two weeks or two months. It was a pretty defined amount of time. Yeah. Like, all right, guys, um we got to get this album together. And they're just working through, right? I don't want to say they're starting from scratch, but but they are writing these songs, like you know, hey, we're gonna we got to record something in two weeks, so let's get going. And these songs are being written in that time. It, it was pretty amazing to watch.
0: Yeah, I didn't realize this was the case. That it's gonna eventually lead up to the rooftop thing. And don't worry, I'll we'll preview the games in just a second. But maybe. I'm talking Beatles here first. I knew it was going to lead up to the the famous rooftop gig, which was the last one they ever did as a group and all that stuff. Uh, But uh, I didn't realize the circumstances surrounding it. So it's, again, it's phenomenal to me that this has been something that has existed for Fifty plus years that no one did anything with, and so it's really, really, really cool. And I'm that's why I'm happy we're podcasting relatively early on the East Coast here tonight or Central Time for you because I got away Succession versus finishing the first installment of the Beatles doc, and I think the Beatles are gonna they're gonna win out on that. and this, Succession might have to wait. This this,
1: this week of work and travel got me. It's got me all messed up on my TV. I'm still an episode behind on Succession, an episode behind on Curb. I got the get latest it. episode of Curb I think
0: is better than the latest episode of Succession but they're both good. And this is from a week ago. So this is November 21st episode. Yeah, I'm behind. I've got to get I got to get a little more focused. <sighs> uh quick tour. I got to give I got to give you this amazing stat that I took like 20 minutes to figure out. You want to do games to know Monday Tuesday?
1: Yeah, you walk us through it.
0: Okay, here we go. Uh we have Big 10 ACC challenge happening Monday. There's only two games of note. 6 and 0 Iowa at 5 and 2 Virginia. Iowa is 6-0. and They've yet to play a legitimate opponent. All their six wins have come at home against sub-200 teams, so I'm curious to see what they do on the road against Virginia. And then the other game on Monday night is Notre Dame, which is 3-2 at Illinois, which is 4-2. Both teams have underwhelmed, and one of those two teams is going to be entering December with three losses, and that's going to be a little bit of an urgent situation. We wait and see. Illinois is at home. It's the better team. It should win that game, but we will wait and see on that. Illinois had some trouble uh over the weekend with UTRGV and they eventually pulled away. Um Tuesday's much more heavy. So I'll go from kind of least to most compelling. You'll have Five and two, Clemson at three and three, Rutgers, and that's just a what are we doing, Rutgers situation? We're we're we going back and we're going back to how things were. Like Rutgers, three and four, and suddenly its chances of make the NCAA tournament just get they get dark in a hurry. And Clemson is not that good of a team. Rutgers will have its home floor. Uh, you would agree with me that there's only
1: one reason this is happening, right? Yeah, they changed the rack. They changed the name. What are we doing? They disrespected the rack, and now they're paying a price. Occam's it's, Razor wasn't Simples. hard to wasn't hard to see this coming. Sometimes in life, you have to pay a price. Rutgers will do it via losses to depaul, UMass and how do we say it? Lafayette or Lafayette are you what Lafayette? Yes, but in Mississippi, there's a Lafayette county
0: Oh okay that well that's like in in most places it would be uh Darien hello i think we just got this, no, it just zoomed in on us that yeah let's, let's, let's be careful with that <laughs>
1: let's get, let's get that's good
0: let's get that zoom button under control in most cases it would be darien but in connecticut there's a town that is darien and it's spelled d-a-r-i-e-n but it sounds like you're spelling it or saying it darien like Darius and in dairy, and then ann is in the name Ann. so i hear you it is lafayette um rucker's got to get it together and it's the rack what are we doing here uh Indiana plays at Syracuse, borderline must win game for Syracuse. Indiana 6 and 0 on the road. Syracuse is 3 and 3. Again, this is Tuesday night Big 10 ACC Challenge. Keep an eye on that. Duke plays at Ohio State. 7 and 0 Duke at 4 and 2 Ohio State, as I mentioned earlier. Buckeyes lost at the buzzer in a wonderfully fun game at the Fort Myers tip off. That looks like they got something good going on down there with that tournament there. This will be Duke's first and last non-conference road game of the season. Obviously the last non-conference road game of Mike Krzyzewski's career. If you, have not, whoa, heard,
1: whoa, if you whoa. have
0: not heard, you tell him.
1: Yeah, this is operating a little under the radar. It's going to be interesting to see how long it takes before this becomes a big story. Agreed. But this is Mike Krzyzewski's last season coaching Duke. He's done after this.
0: I, I, I'm actually a little bit annoyed with the mainstream media that this doesn't get discussed more. I don't I want to know what they're hiding.
1: He's done after this. Did you see the Brooks Kepka
0: video? Of- I actually I did not. I I heard there was a thing with that, but I didn't see it.
1: Yeah, Brooks like uh, apparently got to meet uh Mike after the game and and you know, like if you're Brooks Kepka, even though you're Brooks Kepka, are you sure Mike Hirschewski knows who you are? You're not sure. I don't know if you could be sure. You're not sure. Yeah. And so it must be cool because Brooks walks up and he's like reaching his hand out like you're gonna meet somebody. And and Mike says to Brooks, he says, Hey, you don't before Brooks can even say anything, he says, You don't know this, but I love you. I was rooting for you today, and I thought you handled yourself really well. Well that, that, that must be a cool moment for Brooks Kafka. I mean, you're Brooks Kafka, so like there's a certain level of fame and celebrity that comes with that. But you don't know if Mike Sheshewski loves you. No. And, and what's the irony in that
0: statement? Bryson DeChambeau is obviously the Duke of all golfers. So, oh wow, it. Ooh. Come on, people in the comments back me up. Clearly, you, oh, he's uh, the most—he's the most polarizing golfer. Duke is the most polarizing program. If—if if Duke was a golfer, it would be Bryson DeChambeau. This seems, <laughs> you know, this seems undeniably true.
1: Don't what, agree? Well, I hadn't thought about it, but I—I I, now that you hear it, but I. Uh, when I think of of Di- Bryson DeChambeau, I think of kind of a nerdy, a nerdy golfer who's white. He is white. Who is c- getting bullied and thought that he could go out and get real buff and start hitting it further than everybody else, and then he would get the respect and people still pick on him and make fun of him. Does that sound like Duke to you? Yeah, I think there's some. I think there's some
0: comparisons there. That's me. Um- Duke at Ohio State. Ohio State with the humongous opportunity there. Kind of wondering if there might be a little bit of a letdown. I'm not going to go out and say that Ohio State's going to win the game. I'm just not going to be shocked if that happens, but they certainly have a they've got a huge, huge challenge. The other game to know for Tuesday is 5-1 Florida State at 6-0 Purdue. So we'll have we'll have true definition and clarity on Parrish's ranking situation here. Uh if Duke and Purdue both win, Duke's going to remain ahead. If Purdue loses and Duke wins, it's not, even a, it's not even a discussion. But if Duke loses and Purdue wins, you know what's going to happen there. Uh, Purdue will, will leapfrog the Blue Devils. It will be a matter of will GP be confident enough if they beat a 5-1 Florida State team. The Boilers, as I mentioned before, have never been AP number one. I'm going to guess they're number one. I'll say they're number one when the polls refresh on Monday. But how about this? Did you know mm. the Florida State Seminoles have won 12 consecutive overtime games? Did you know that? I did not know that. It is an NCAA record. The Florida State Seminoles have won 12 in a row in, with at least one bonus session. The most recent one came over this weekend. I won't trivia time you something basic like this, but if I had to trivia time you and ask you who did Florida State
1: beat on Wednesday night, how many guesses do you think you need before you get there? I need one guess. Boston University. He's on it. Boy, you're talking, you're talking to a man who was in studio for Inside College Basketball that night. There we go. Florida State won that game in
0: overtime. Now, here's the stat of the damn week. Okay. The last time Florida State lost in overtime, trivia time. Wow. Just guess the season. You guess the season. They've won 12. This is the first time, by the way, the listeners in real time, and I get to see your guests. I'm going to give you a good 30 seconds before I give it up while Paris thinks. No cheating. These people have the ability to cheat. The last season, Florida State lost an overtime game. What season?
1: It was clearly the 2011 season.
0: Are you going 2010-2011 or 2011 2012 like, it
1: was
0: 2010-2011. Incorrect. You want a second guess? No. Okay. Mark it down. It was the 2015-2016 season. It was at Iowa. Since then, they've won 12 straight. I did the math. I consulted with our friend Ken Pomeroy to make sure the math was accurate. I took the probability of every single game starting in overtime. There is a 0.2% chance, a 1 in 500 occurrence, that a team in Florida State's situation would win 12 straight overtime games. 1 in 500 chance, FSU, 12, 12 in a row. How phenomenal is that?
1: It's the most phenomenal thing I've ever heard.
0: 12 straight overtimes
1: at 0.2% chance? All I hear is Florida state has a hard time beating people in 40 minutes. That's all I hear from this. You mentioned Ken Pomeroy, our friend. You remember when Ken, Ken got a little bothered last season. He, he didn't feel like people were properly crediting him enough on television.
0: We couldn't, hope, we could not do it more on this podcast.
1: If we tried, I, how about this? I do it so much on television. So I just assume he wasn't talking about me, the other scoundrels. I do it so much that my colleagues now make fun of me live on air. Pete Gillen is is, is is I love Pete Gillen. Pete Gillen will be on air and he'll be like, "Uh, I, I I don't I don't know what the numbers say. You're gonna have to talk to Gary and his friend Kim Palm." <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, Gary and Kim Palm, like like we're dating, like we're Kim Kardashian and Obviously, Pete. Obviously, uh, Kim
0: Palm is Ken Palm. He's on the Ion College Basketball Podcast more than Leave It to
1: Beaver. <laughs> he runs. So let the record show. I credit Ken Palm so much that the other people make. I always assume they make fun of me behind my back. Now they've reached the point. They do it right to my face on TV. (laughs) Most of you
0: got the trivia time wrong. Not so easy. Is it Florida state at Purdue Tuesday night, ACC big 10 challenge. Those are the games to know Monday and Tuesday. We will be back with you Wednesday morning. We went, I knew we'd go long, but we went, we went longer than, than I think
1: about it. We, We spent five minutes on premarital sex. All right. Spent another three minutes on my kid bashing holes in the wall. The Bales. It's been about five minutes on me just complaining about people who reach out to me <laughs> via the internet. You take all that out, we're under an hour. It's my uh,
3: fault. Uh,
0: Nada, I said you were saying hello. So as we wrap the pod before GP does the shouts, you've been, you've been producing us for almost a month here. This is Kanada Edwards, Nada for short. He's the one responsible for this live stream that you're looking at and uh, the podcast you're listening to. So you want to say hello buddy after uh, after I don't know 12 or 14 episodes of hiding in the shadows?
1: I, I was enjoying hiding in the shadows and now you draw me out, Matt. What, what for for what? People I already have people saying that I wasn't real up until this point and I know you saw that comment which makes it even funnier cuz yes, I am real Blake. Thank you. You're <laughs> welcome. I just confirmed that he is real. Hey hey everyone. Hey, <laughs> while, hey while you're here, why don't you zoom in on your own face? <laughs> No, people really don't want to see that. Well,
0: you know what? Um, you're almost caught up with Sam Vecini's total mic time of the past five seasons. Yes. So you congrats. have
1: now contributed to this podcast more than Sam Vecini. <laughs> I love Sam Vecini. I miss him. Indeed. Other side of the world. Literally the other side of the world. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Will Allen. Legend. Shouts to Now. Thank you guys once again for listening to the Ion College basketball podcast, In the middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. You know, um, at some point, you know, over the past few months, people are like, you know, we're probably not actually in the middle of it anymore. Like we, I don't know anymore. (laughs) You seen this new variant? It's bad news. I hope not, but I I did see word, but we're, you know what? We're boosted. So I'm confident. That's all I got to say. I've been, I'm confident in my boost. That's right. I'll go get a fourth shot if I need to. Right Tomorrow, now, I'll do, it. I'll do it on this podcast. I'll do it on this podcast. I hear people sometimes like, are we just gonna take shots every six months for the rest of our life? I'm like, well, I, I guess, why not? <laughs> Who cares, is it a big deal? I'll, I'll take shots whenever you need me to. It doesn't, it's pretty easy. I'm happy to take a shot every six months. I'll take one every six days. I'll take your shots. <laughs>
0: I love that.
1: I ain't never seen one like this in the
0: comments. I, I, I forgot. I forgot I used to say that.
1: <laughs> it's true, though. I never seen one like this. I never seen one like this. this the is thing wild. that's a
0: wild, and we will get out of here, but like, I don't know when he started doing this. I was like, all right, this will be. This will be something for like a show or two, okay. And then it got to be like 17, 18 shows and I was like, I don't know if we need to be reminding everyone. And now that we're here, I've actually gone galaxy brain with it. I'm like, no, like people really are taking the time out of their days to listen to this podcast during the dumbest pandemic of our lifetimes. Like we are still going through this together as a society, as a species. And so I think it's actually a good reminder at the end of every podcast. You, I, uh, it's wild. I, I, seen, I can't wait for the day where you don't have to say it again. Where factually you you should not be
1: saying it, but we're just not at that day yet. It's it's a wild deal. I never seen one like this. I had an email from a guy. We'll end on this. And he was he was a nice, like he's a professor like at a prominent school, maybe even one that just hired Lincoln Riley. <laughs> and uh, and he was like, hey, you know, I really enjoy the podcast, but I feel like you're making light of the pandemic. And i was like no I, I, what i say i mean i mean in a literal sense this is so dumb everything about it what we argue about what some of us will do what other people won't do fighting about shots it's dumb the whole thing is dumb it's a dumb pandemic i'm not making light of anything
0: <laughs> you got you have multiple people just saying the word extortion with an exclamation point in the comments now i'm not going to get crazy with the guy but like just this this is the first time i've experienced this so now that I see people enthusiastically supporting your thoughts on extortion, just, you made my night, people.
1: I feel like I could have got Dino Gaudio through this with 75 grand, no problem. He didn't know how to extort. He's a good coach. He's a good broadcaster. Terrible extorter. Could not be worse. It could not be worse than extorting. Everybody's got their shortcomings, you know? Everybody's got their shortcomings. You're good at some things, you're not so good at other things. Like, I can do a podcast, but I can't fix drywall, you know? Dino Gaudio, he can broadcast a game, but he can't extort. I mean, like, worst extorter in college basketball. We ever do that list? Top 101 extorters in college basketball? Extortionists, I believe. (laughs) I call them extorters. (laughs) I knew as I was saying that I probably didn't have the correct term. Is it Lafayette you don't, or you Lafayette? You don't need to know. You, yeah, exactly. You, you
0: just, you concern yourself with the act of properly extorting people. I'll worry about actually the proper terms of, of, what, to, of what to name the give us people.
1: Yeah, I don't need to know how to pronounce it. I just need to know how to do it. <sighs> Dino Gadio can get nowhere near our list of top 101 extortionists <laughs> in college basketball. Not even, Wendell Moore's got a better chance of making that one. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. And seriously, we need those nice reviews. We got some anti-premarital sex people trying to screw things up for us over there. If you've ever had premarital sex and you enjoyed it, go leave a five-star review. We'll talk to you again real soon. Till then, take care.
3: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.